follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. You watched the Casey Anthony case. It has been almost four years since Kaylee Anthony disappeared. Kaylee's mother, as we know, was acquitted after being held to answer for Kaylee's murder. And now we go behind the scenes. Private investigator and security consultant Rob Dick was there. Rob was one who escorted Casey Anthony and provided security to and from court throughout the trial. Rob was on PIC Classified not long ago talking about fugitive recovery, and I invited him back to talk about his experience with, with Casey Anthony. Rob has over 25 years of combined law enforcement, private investigations, and private bail contract enforcement experience. He travels all 50 states and some U.S. territories to close cases and participate in the extradition of fugitives from foreign countries. He also locates and captures defendants, prepares and appears on bail bond motions, and advises bail bond companies and sureties. Rob is a certified um, instructor for for. Uh, DOI and Taser International, Pepperball and DOJ Handgun Safety for California. He trains arrest and control law enforcement pistols and rifles, center access relight firearm system, and is an NRA firearms uh, instructor. Also a Florida and Utah concealed carry instructor, a licensed locksmith, a surety bond auditor, and notary public. He's appeared on TV shows such as Dateline, Nancy Grace, Fox News, Dr. Phil, Geraldo, and a lot of others. And he was featured in National Geographic's four-part miniseries, Inside Bounty Hunters. He's, he founded the Bail Education Association and has assisted in the formulation and passing of legislation for the bail bond industry. Rob, thanks for coming back on the show and to talk about this interesting case. Yeah, no problem. How, how did you get involved, Rob, with the Casey Anthony trial? Well, it all started back when it first hit the news in 08. Uh, a group of us sat down and started talking about possibly getting involved. We, we've done these kind of things before and usually can add to the investigation from a non-law enforcement part. So... We came up with a plan because she said that if she was out, she would be able to locate her daughter. At the time, she was in custody with a half-a-million-dollar bail bond. Mm-hmm. So Leonard Padilla arranged to have the bond posted, and my role as a PI, uh, Florida has a reciprocity for a 30-day investigation, so I went in as a PI, and then we had Tracy, another member that worked with us, that would be the female that would 
be with her 24-7 nonstop. I, I provide see. security to and from any of her court appearances or check-ins to the, the attorney or home confinement or whatever was required, and along with security for the family and the house. Um, because of the publicity and all the threats and everything that was going on at the time. And, and at this point, I mean, she, she'd actually already been arrested and been in custody, right? Well, at the time, she was only arrested for the possible child abuse. You know, oh, mainly, mainly they were just charging her with, with because she was not, did not know where her daughter was. She's the mother, and she just didn't know where she was. And, and, and lying, lying to the police because some of that was early, was proven early on, like saying I had to go had to, to work and then finding out that she didn't work there. So they had several minimal charges just to put her in custody. But she was out on bail. Are these, she's under electronic home sur- surveillance? Well, it was kind of both. It was, she was allowed to bail. It was a half-million-dollar bail bond, and part of the terms of release was that she had to go to Angle Bracelet as well. I see. So we we have a kind of a two-part. We have the first part to make sure that nothing happens to her because of the threat or the family, and the second part is to make sure that you know she doesn't escape or cause a liability on our half-million-dollar bond posted. Of course. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So uh, so Tracy works with you directly. Correct. And so she she actually spent 24-7 with Casey? Yeah. For the nine days that she was out, Tracy was in with her in the house. Um, you know, part of the first concern in, in anything like this is, is we don't want her to harm herself. You know, there's a potential that if she gets out out of custody, she has things available and she might take her own life. So we would want to make sure that Tracy is with her, you know, all the time. If she's going to take a shower, she's in the bathroom sitting there. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of changed once she got out. I mean, her personality, we, we soon learned that she's not the kind of person that would ever take her life. That we didn't have to worry about. And and did you see the? I mean, the, of course, the news reports have been voluminous. Did you see the kind of behaviors from Casey that is reported in the news? The news reports about her being a party party girl and all those kind of things. Well, I I don't know the they have that a hundred percent right. Um, you know, Florida has the sunshine law, so everything is public. You know. It, that kind of stuff wouldn't happen here in California. But over there, the minute anything's filed, the news gets it. So it's immediately in the paper, online, you know, on the weekly news. And, of course, when that picked up national, yeah, Nancy Grace, shows like that, we're having it on every night. Um, Mm -hmm. The one thing that was very notable that a lot of people don't know until she becomes a little bit more public is that she's got some serious problems. Um, from the moment that she was released, as soon as she was in the car on the ride home, I could see that 
you know, there's just something that's not right with it. I mean, you know, here you have a... It, 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 let's go back to the time frame just to kind of put this in perspective. You're okay. talking about a girl that's had her daughter, you know, your mother's out there. She's had her daughter missing for, at this point, about 60 days. She's been in custody for 30 of those days, not knowing what's going on, not, you know, being a part of whatever the investigation is or trying to locate her daughter, and now you're out of jail. I mean, what's your first question? What's What are you going to act like? Mm-hmm. You would think your first response is, you know, hey, what's going on? Where, where are we at? Where, what are you, I've been locked up for 30 days. I don't know what's going on. I haven't been a part of it. We need to go here, 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 you know. And and that's not at all what it was. It was... Well, was she, what, what did she act it, like? It was just, hi, I'm out. Okay, great, you know. Oh, goes, runs up to Tracy, hugs her. Oh, you're my babysitter, you know. Just happy. What's for dinner? Mm. There's absolutely no discussion of her daughter. I mean, we did all know she, now. Why? Did she, she ever do. discuss Kaylee? No. No, that's what I mean. There's not. There's. There's no discussion other than horse discussion of you know. What do you What do you think? Oh well, uh, yeah. I, boy, I don't know where to begin. You know. I mean, there's no urgency on her part. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Casey, and Casey is one of these kind of people that could, you know, for, I used to try to get the point across, and I know this sounds real bad, but, I mean, if you had a dead child and you put her in a trash can, even though it's your own child, and walked away, she would walk away with the fact of, I never had a kid, what are you talking about? amazing, really. Yeah, I mean, she had that that whole front going on the whole time. I mean, even go back to law enforcement 30 days after the child's supposedly missing, to be able to sit there calmly, not upset, tell law enforcement, well, I don't know, let's go to my office and maybe we find some clues on my desk or find the phone I lost. And they go, okay, that sounds good. So they go to Universal she gets the security, security kind of stops and says, well, wait a minute, you don't have a your pass, you can't get in here, da-da. and she's able to talk her way through, oh, well, I left it at home, you know, I just need to go to my desk. Well, wait a minute, you're not even on the employee list. Hmm. Oh, no, I know, but that's because I, you know, work in a different part, I just need to get to my desk. So security says, well, okay, you're with cops, all right, let's go ahead. She goes all the way across through the building, gets all the way to a door, and then turns to the law enforcement and says, I don't work. <laughs> really? Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, I lie every day to fugitives. I don't think I could do that lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you do have to lie to fugitives to get them to, to agree to, to go with you or uh, find them or whatever, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you know, law enforcement lies to possible suspects and witnesses all the time to find out information they need uh, on a case, typically, you know, on a criminal case. So that is not unusual. But uh, but you're saying that she was very adept at it. Yeah, she, uh, and, and it, she's not the kind of person that, that had, 
you know, it's not even that she's a good liar. It's the fact that she she kind of had a fantasy world long before this happened. I mean, you know, for the last couple of years before the incident, okay, let, let's imagine this. You have a friend comes over and says, you know, hey, had a rough day at work. My coworker, Bill, boy, he, you know, he stole something out of my cubicle. Then I got in trouble by my boss. Jim, you know, he wrote me up because I was late this morning. You know, normal conversation between uh-huh. two friends, okay? And this has gone on for the last year and a half. Now think about that none of that existed. Okay. She never had a, she never had a job. She never had the boss, Jim. She never had the friend, Bill. None of, none of it existed. So she was able to go back and pull from this grab bag of lies you know, over the years, so it just flowed like a regular story. Interesting. So it's pretty clear then that she didn't just start lying about this case. She had lived then a life like that because she was so... uh, Right. And, and, And people came down pretty hard on Cindy and George as well. And, and unfortunately they took kind of a bad beating on it emotionally, which kind of wasn't deserved because it's hard to understand that they've lived with this child, you know, their child, Casey, lying to them their entire life. Right. And she, you know, she was fairly good. You know, I mean, George had even caught her one time at a job that, you know, she said she worked at and he went there and he didn't. So for her, it was common to tell this story and these lies and everything else, you know, and the parent, until it comes out to be maybe a harmful lie or some something that they need to figure out for themselves, it, you know, it's kind of a way of life. Mm-hmm. People well, say, well, you know, you even, know, even pathological liars know they're lying. <laughs> it's, right. It's not that they don't know, they, they do know. Mm-hmm. So did you ever have a conversation with her, her folks about when they first noticed that that she was lying, or did, did that ever develop at all? Well, it has gone back, way back. I mean, she she lied even about graduating from high school. You know, her parents were throwing a graduation party for her, and she wasn't even graduating. She was short credits. I really? Mean, like, it's, been a, it's been an entire life. Yeah. They did take... I mean, you you, you had to feel... If you had any empathy at all, you had to feel bad for the parents because yeah. it was pretty clear that they were taking some big hits just to cut, you know, because she was covering herself. Well, and, and even up to today, you know, even, you know, lately in the news, all the way through the trial and even to later about like the molesting and, and the, you know, George, that wasn't George, the father, you know, he didn't, he didn't do any molesting or anything. I mean, he he has been put through the ringer. If if you were there and you saw his reactions and his breakdowns, and you know, a father trying to do anything to find his granddaughter, mm-hmm. even to the point of, and, and here's another dynamic that's hard to understand when you're just watching it on the news. Think about this as a parent, if. 
you know, your love for your granddaughter is so strong, and you and you know you've you've not been her parents, but you've kind of helped raise her. You've been around her every single day. So you're missing her like her, she's your own child. And you're willing yeah. to do anything for your child. And then when it starts to turn that, okay, well, wait a minute. My child might have killed her. Uh-huh. Now it's, I mean, I don't I, think yeah, if you're in those shoes, exactly. you can say it's it. It's really hard to get your head around that. Yeah, because, you know you get to a certain point, especially, you know, he's an ex-cop. He's an ex-homicide cop. So uh-huh. he understands how it goes, and you get to a point of, and I, even me as a father, I don't know that I could answer this until I would have been in those shoes, and I hope I never am. But, you know, at first you want to punish or kill or do whatever to whoever might have done something to your granddaughter. Okay, well, now it's your child. Now what do you do? Right. Right. Yeah. The farther you I, go, the more you might take the chance on putting your own child to death because you've already lost your granddaughter. Right. I mean, it's just right. I can't believe it. Well, and and the other part of that is, I mean, I I found in watching this, and I really I have to say I didn't watch it as much as many people did. I just kind of saw the daily news, but I can't imagine how. Her parents, George, is George and Nancy? Cindy. George Sorry, and Cindy? Cindy? Yeah. yeah, Cindy. Uh, how they stayed together through all this. I mean, the stress just had to be more than any person could handle. Yeah, and, and I think it was bad. I think, I think the only thing for them is that, see, Cindy's, Cindy's got some issues as well. I mean... Even to this day, she is in so far denial that she will always spend the rest of her life. You know, Tracy, Tracy knew her more than anybody, and and says that she will spend the rest of her life trying to get Casey, trying to find out what happened. And if mm-hmm. she was told exactly what happened, she's still not going to believe it. She. Believes that Casey's innocent, completely innocent. Yeah, yeah. There, there must have been something else, someone else involved, something caused this, something you know. Okay, yeah. we, Rob, we need to take a quick break. Can you hang on just a second? We'll be sure. right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. 
for a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Trying to juggle the need for comprehensive data on a tight budget? Merlin's Investigators Package was created especially for investigative and law enforcement professionals. With the Investigators Package, you'll enjoy tremendous savings over Merlin's pay-per-search pricing. For less than $100 per month, you can access the premium databases most frequently used by investigative professionals. Merlin's Investigators Package, simply the best, most affordable option for research and investigation. To learn more, call 800-367-6646 or email sales at merlindata.com. Free trials are available. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. And Sam with Rob Jack, a private investigator from California who was uh, very involved in the Casey Anthony case, her personal protection, and even the investigation initially. So, Rob, um, we we're talking about, you know, the impact on her parents, but did you provide security for her parents as well? Well, not when they left the house. Mainly, our main focus was on Casey at the time. And in Florida, because of sunshine, it's not like she could go to the, what's called a safe house or something. She had to be on home confinement, which has to have a home number, which then becomes public. So, And the parents wanted her home, so we decided to go ahead and use her regular parents' home for the place of residency. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we had to provide security for the entire house. You know, but Cindy and George come and go on their own. It was more and- interesting than Casey. There was so much anger just from regular citizens that was that was directed and still is directed toward Casey. Um, were you ever concerned that someone would try to take a shot at her or, or take some action like that? How did you deal with that? Yeah, we always had to be careful because there's just, I mean, let's face it, just in this world there's a lot of nuts out there. Um, the general public just, I guess it was kind of an eye-opener for us as well. I mean, they they hated us from the start as well. I mean, how I'm dare sure, yeah. bail her out? She's just a bad, horrible person, needs to be in jail. Part of the problem, though, what the public doesn't understand is that when a person is in custody and they've invoked their right for attorney, it's done at that point. I mean, very rare do you get the 
two inmates talking and, you know, they spill the beans to another inmate or something like that. It's pretty much a done deal as far as law enforcement's investigation with the suspect. They have to be, they have to go around and try to find witnesses or evidence on the outside. So mm-hmm. by getting her out, you know, we have no attorney-client privilege. So any kind of talk or anything that we hear or if the, the parents get something out of her, you know, Tracy was there. I mean, anything that comes out is potential you know, to solve the case. Mm-hmm. And sure. you probably didn't understand that. You know, they hated us for, oh, you're freeing a murderer. Well, that's not it. He hasn't been convicted yet. And right. we got to keep an open mind when we first start. You know, maybe she's just got Haley with a friend of hers, and mm-hmm. she's just lying to the cop. That's the only crime. And she just wants to break away from the hold of her parents get off on her own so she comes up with this crazy story. I mean, you don't know. You have to keep an open mind. Now, five minutes after she's out of custody, we knew we had a problem. And now we switch gears. Now let's figure out where she is, what happened, you know, did a crime occur? Mm-hmm. And part mm-hmm. of it, I mean, I think helped the case. I mean, we were in constant contact that nobody knew with the FBI. You know, even mm-hmm. the local didn't know that we had a direct line with the FBI. And they hit us up and said, hey, what's your intentions? And we said, nothing more than helping hand. You know, if something's said, then, and it can be used either way, you'll be the first to know. You know, like I said, there is no attorney-client privilege. And, yeah, we're going to be around her all the time. And... Well, let's see. Let's back up. So that would have been before Casey was found if the FBI was involved because it it would be uh, possible transport of a child, correct? Well, yeah, they were involved actually before we got involved because of the potential kidnapping. That was yeah. the first story that the child was kidnapped. Okay. So at that point, they got involved. So you've got actually two separate investigations going. you got the local law enforcement investigation, actually three you got the Child Protective Services trying to figure out, you know, is there a child issue or, uh, you know, any kind of negligence. And you've got the local law enforcement, the Sheriff's Department, investigating a missing person. And then you have the FBI saying, okay, well, is this a kidnapping? Uh-huh. And then there was you guys. <laughs> yeah, and we're on the outside. <laughs> outside and the inside. Right. Fascinating. So, um, did did the FBI were the FBI pretty hard on you, or how you know how did they handle that? Or they did they just accept what you said and and go from, forward from there? No, they were great. Uh, what what they found out is is that they they actually nicknamed us the Octopus because they said every time their investigation went some way, we already had an arm out there. <laughs> um, That's pretty cool. And, and part of the thing why we get involved in these things is we have found that just because of not only publicity, but because we're not law enforcement, you have general public that just comes up to you all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the example of, of in the news you saw where one of the private detectives that was hired by the attorneys was out there filming where the body uh-huh. was 
but they were out there a month before. Well, that actually started with us because one of the detectives on the attorney side tried to sell the tape. They came to us and said, hey, you guys are in the media all the time. I got this videotape. Um, you know, I want, I want to make money off of it. I want to sell it. Like, so immediately, we call the FBI and they go grab the tape. And then now that's how that got the news. Wow. So that's interesting. there's things like that that just being there, people would approach you and say, hey, you know, this is what I saw on this day, you know. What do you think about this? Da, da, da. Well, did the law enforcement not? Well, no, I don't know if I should. I didn't want to bother them. I didn't want to talk to them. Oh, okay, well, let me, let me get your contact information. Uh-huh. And the FBI goes and interviews them. So, the, so you, there is a So you become a conduit out. to a, a lot of sources. Yeah, and there's, yeah. it's unbelievable how many come in in different directions. Interesting. So... Um, I, well, I'm sure the FBI, though, checked you guys out pretty thoroughly. Yeah. If, well, actually, okay, I'll tell you another funny story. Because we were contacted by the FBI in the very beginning, we never made contact with the local law enforcement. We figured, okay, we'll let them do their job. We're clear on the federal level, and we're in contact with them, so we'll just leave it at that. So on the first movement from the... Uh, house to the home confinement on the next day, I had a couple guys with me and we were transporting her. I had a couple of cars when they're blocking for me, you know, we're going down the freeway and I've got this one guy that's really aggressive trying to get close to us. Now we had media issues, you know, everybody's trying to get a picture of her, you know, kind of like the pop thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So just for security, we ended up forcing a car off the, off the freeway, making an exit to keep our path clear. Mm-hmm. So we get from point A to point B, and then I get a phone call from the sergeant in Orange County. He is just extremely pissed. You know, you ran one of my detectives off the road, and da-da-da-da-da-da. And I said, well, you know, I don't know who you are. I have no problem with you guys being there, but, hey, you got to let us know, too. You know, top to cop, yeah. what would you do? You know, so it was kind of comical because, after that, we had a relationship with them, and it looked like a parade when we are going down the freeway. You know, I would give a blinker to <laughs> my three guys change lane and have five other cars that, you know, are around us move, and we're like this big procession going from point A to point B. <laughs> amazing. Just so. amazing. So, Jen, did you have to stay in the courtroom with her every day when she was in court? No, this was actually in the very beginning. She was only this out in the nine beginning. days. Okay. Yeah, she was out of custody nine days, and then they added additional charges, and it was getting pretty bad. That was when it was on the media, and the people were showing up in crowds and advancing on the front lawn and all that, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And at that point, we had kind of figured we, we need to get out of the situation at the same time, and the sergeant said, well, we have your out because we're going to take her back in custody. And that's that's actually the footage you see. They were filming, I think it was Nancy Grace at the time, and they were filming across the street when the, all the detectives came and drove up into the yard and took her back into custody. Yeah. And then did your assignment com- was completed at that point? Well, as far as the security and the bail bond, it was over with, but 
we kind of stayed with the case and followed it and uh, went back. We came back to California, and then we went back several times um, just as part of helping out. Uh, when Texas EquiSearch went out and began a search, we went out and kind of helped follow up with that. And then um, back after the, the body was actually located, we went back again and and just, you know, as as a conduit, as you said, as people would come up and give more information and we'd relay it, you know, because of the involvement and because of the publicity, people were always calling and contacting us with whatever. Like I said, it's it's one of those things that in any of these cases, people just feel weird sometimes about calling law enforcement. They just don't want to talk to a cop. But they'll talk to you, you know, and tell you anything anything that maybe they don't know if it's relevant or not. And being involved in it, you do know that, hey, that is important. We need to get this to the right people. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And then, then it just yeah. kind of went on and on. And <laughs> as we think, this thing will never end. I mean, every, every even four, four years later, you don't have to get calls on it. So. I'm sure that's true, and 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 you're right. The case isn't going to end. It'll always people always remember it. I can't imagine what kind of a life she's going to live, um, because now I mean people don't forget. You know, and it's it's really hard to explain. I mean, you know, it's kind of like the OJ thing. I mean, she she's her own worst nightmare. She's going to have to be back out there. Something's going to happen down the future. I mean, she's not a serial killer, but it's just a situation that. She, she'll screw up again. I mean, she can't help it. It, it, it. We could go on for a whole other hour about, you know, how she acted that just would blow your mind. I mean, things like, here you are, as I said, 60 days after your child's missing. That should be the top priority on your mind. And her biggest priority is how, how good she's going to look for the cameras. You know, there's yeah. cameras out there, right? There's cameras out right. there that are going to follow us today to go to my attorney's office, right? Oh, i got to wear this. i got to look good. Boy, I feel like Jackie O. Really? Yeah, well, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> well, aside from, and we're going to have to take another quick break here, but so think about this. Aside from, um, you know, what you said about her reaction about her daughter being missing, or her lack of reaction, rather, was there any other dramatic thing that you remember that, that she did or didn't do that that just didn't fit with the situation. We'll be right back after a break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at nciss.org or call 1-800-445-8408. 
NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. A heavy caseload and a lack of resources. Sound familiar? Merlin's Locate Services team can help. After 30 years in the investigative business, Merlin knows a few things about the industry. Our team of expert skip tracers delivers a host of skip tracing, public record research, place of employment, and bank asset services to investigative and collection professionals. Competitive tiered pricing is available, and all results are 100% guaranteed. To learn more or to inquire about other professional skip trace services, log on to MerlinData.com or call 800-367-6646. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Hi, we're back with Rob Dick, private investigator and fugitive recovery agent, who um, provided personal security for the Casey Anthony, or Casey Anthony, rather. And uh, we also have a caller, Jim, from Florida, calling in. Jim, are you there? Yes, hello. Hi, Jim, welcome to the show. Hi, Francie, how are you? I've spoken to you previously on another time. Um, yeah, I'll see, and yeah, I love your show. Rob? Um, I'm, I'm Rob, I have a question for Rob. Sure. Hi. Um, I follow the Casey Anthony case from the beginning to the end, and Uh still I'm upset about the outcome. My question is, since you were in that home with George and Cindy from practically the beginning of the time that Katie was missing, um, and unfortunately we all know now that she was already dead, um, did George and Cindy ever request from you in in your agency to go out there and look for Kaylee? Well, yes, and, and actually this, I can answer that by answering Francine's last question, too. Um, the next day, you know, the, the first actual day that after she had been out of custody, after Casey had been out of custody, you know, Tracy witnessed George come in and just, just the anger of wanting to know, you know, wanting to know what happened, where is my granddaughter, you know, the, the, yeah, you're talking about a grandpa that's just heartbroken and he knows he's got a daughter that's lied to him. You know, at that point in time, the farthest thing from his mind is wanting to think that she killed her. 
but I just want to know. I want to know right now what's the truth, where she's at, stop lying. You know, the, that emotional breakthrough, I mean, kind of set the stage of, yeah, you know, George and Cindy, they had no idea what to believe, where to start. They just know that Kaylee's gone. That's it. Cause, and they cause know. my concern, you know, from the beginning was, why is it that they, they themselves, I mean, I'm not a parent. I have nieces and nephews, and I give my life for all of them. If one of them is, is, is disappeared for 10 seconds, will I go ballistic? So for me, so many days that this child went missing and that the parents, the grandparents, did not automatically call and contacted the well, authorities. I, and and I, having and you I, guys there. I can, answer, I can answer that real quick, too. The, the problem is, is that what no one understands is Casey was very good at the manipulating. Casey always had a good reason for those 30 days why Cindy couldn't talk to her granddaughter. You know, oh, she's sleeping. Oh, she's with the babysitter. Oh, let me call you back. I mean, Casey was running that whole show. And, yes, very frustrating. Cindy and George knew, you know, hey, this isn't normal. We got what's going on. But here again, too, you got to understand, Casey's the mother. George and Cindy have no legal right. They can't call law enforcement and say, hey, we think something's going on. Our daughter won't let us talk to our granddaughter. Well, that's perfectly legal. Casey's an adult. They can't force that hand. And as I said, she's a very good liar to where, you know, yeah, it was dragging out. And that's kind of what broke this whole thing wide open is when Cindy finally went and found her and confronted her. She had had enough. She couldn't take it anymore. She couldn't take the lies. I need to know what's going on. Why can't I talk to my granddaughter? It's been 30 days. Come on. This is ridiculous. But Casey was very, very good at the lies. It's, and that, it's, that's it's why. amazing the work that you guys did, and, and I congratulate you and, and, and everyone. I mean, I'm here in Miami, and unfortunately, I was financially unavailable to drive up there, and I wanted to. And I would have 24-7 if I could have. Yeah. And, and I still don't understand how this woman got, well, you know. Unfortunately, got, got I, think, I think unfortunately the problem was, is, you know, when you have a sequestered jury, they're not seeing what everybody else is seeing. You know, I do feel bad that I think if you talk to a juror today, they would go, Wow, if we had known all that, uh-huh. Uh-huh. we probably wouldn't have I think that's true. Yeah, you because, know. you know, the whole thing is about evidence, and you have to have evidence that is factual and that you can prove. And yeah. many of the things that we, uh, the rest of the world saw, her behavior and those kind of things, they didn't see that in the courtroom. Yeah, I mean, and I feel bad again for George, you know. George is blindsided with all of a sudden he's a molester and he had something to do with it. You know, he's got to control his emotions. You know, it was very unique that they were allowed to sit through the trial to actually hope to gain some more knowledge, hope to get something. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about a grandparent that's just an emotional roller coaster. He's got to gain his composure, and he's got to try to answer questions at the same time. You know, how do you answer that? In one answer, you want to get the truth about your granddaughter, but in the other answer, you're going to kill your daughter by what you say. So you're put in a very hard position to be very careful on how you answer, and I think the jury took that as he was being deceptive and had something to hide, and that's unfortunate. 
because they didn't know the totality of everything that's going on. It's and the other point I think, I think you made... And I'm sorry. Eventually, like you were saying earlier, um, sometime in her life again, she will make a mistake and her life will not cover up this time. And hopefully it will not deal with another child. Well, you're right, you Gemma. Know. And I think I think many people felt the way you did about wanting to go there to help. I, I you know, I even but, called. I called the law yeah. enforcement there, and they told me I couldn't. Yeah. And yeah. and I I wanted to go, and and I didn't care if I had to go swimming and do anything, just to find that child. Yeah. Well, and, and I beat on myself for not even trying to find the means financially, borrow the money to just get up there. Yeah. And Rob because made a, a point earlier. Bars right now. Gemma, Rob made a point earlier about uh, when he was talking about uh, George's, you know, being reaction, being accused of child molestation, all that was going on with him. But you got also, uh, Rob made a point earlier that there was also the conflict going on between George and Cindy because Cindy did not, and evidently still does not believe that Casey was involved in Kaylee's murder, and so. Not only is he reacting to his granddaughter's missing, it sounds to me like that his daughter is is a suspect and potential murderer of her his granddaughter, but his wife is on the opposite side of where he's at. So he, I mean, I can't imagine what he went through, particularly being a former law enforcement. I feel sorry for him. Yeah, we have to go, Gemma. Thanks for calling right, in. Well, thank Rob. you so much, and, and for... I love your show, and I'll keep listening to your shows. All right, and thanks, Rob, for coming in today. Tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's CIC Classified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.